Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? The Father alone, he replied, has the authority to set these dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We are transitioning out of Easter. Pentecost will be upon us, I believe, next Sunday, which will be a fitting time for homecoming because people will be gathering from all parts of at least Georgia, from Villarica to Carrollton to Atlanta to Athens, from Fort O to LaGrange. We will gather again and celebrate our shared history here at Concord. But today is the day we celebrate the Ascension, this 40 days we sometimes forget that the disciples will be going about their business and all of a sudden, Shalom Aleichem, peace be among you, Jesus will appear. And we'll converse with them, we'll eat with them, and then be gone from their sight. These amazing things were happening, and in the Christian calendar we try to make it nice and neat. We have Ash Wednesday, we have 40 days of Lent, we have Holy Week and Easter, then we have 40 days of Easter, and then we have the Ascension Sunday. So we try to keep these things driving home. Not only did we have 40 days of preparation beforehand, but 40 days Jesus is trying in some sense to prepare us for His Ascension after Easter. And we know this is important because for the apostles, this seemed to be... Well, it was two parts, two halves of the same event. For instance, Paul, all the time, he mentions the resurrection, he follows it up with the ascension. Like in Romans eight thirty four, Christ died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. 
over and over. This is Hebrews. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. The crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. All of these worth our time, especially since at this event, God's plan for the upcoming years is revealed. Those that were with Jesus during His ascension, the crowd that was there, probably more than just the eleven, but these were the disciples, these were the apostles, and it was primarily the eleven that remained that we think of as being there as Jesus was rising into the clouds. Now, I don't know about you, but as for me and my reading of the Gospel, these were not the most mature of believers watching Jesus rise up. How much do we talk about Peter flip-flopping? How much do we talk about his denials? How much do we mention the sons of thunder and their striving? The fact that John was basically a kid. At the Mount of Transfiguration even, they were arguing afterwards, okay, which one of us is the best? At the Last Supper, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And they're saying, oh, who could that be? Now, wait a minute. Which one of us is the greatest? These were not... I just get the feeling that Jesus... Hmm. You ever just looked at your kids or maybe other family members and went, okay, children. I see somehow. And these are the people that God is going to use in His plan. In verse 6, you notice they were still asking, Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Verse 6, so the apostles were with Jesus. They kept asking Him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom?" Okay, Jesus, this was amazing. These 40 days have been great. The resurrection was awesome. Now what are you going to do? Now what is God's plan? But Jesus, after saying you don't need to know that, in verse 8 says, it's not me, it's you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So it's almost like at this last moment of Christ being with them at the time when He is going to be raised up into the heavens, they are still acting. Okay, Jesus, what are you doing now? What is God's plan? And Jesus said, what is God's plan? Okay, apostles, God's plan is you. Do you think they might have been a little intimidated by that? God's plan is me. God's plan is us. Look at us. We're a wreck. It's no wonder they were still looking into heaven. 
no doubt thinking, come back. Please come back. We, we don't like this parting. Jesus ascending into heaven, sending them out into the world. We've had times of parting in our lives, haven't we? And I'm not just talking about when someone goes home to heaven. There are other times. We celebrated one just recently as we honored our graduates. How many of you have sent a child out into the world? Oh, yeah. You always hope that they'll be safe. You're praying for them, but you're also hoping some other things. The two things that were sort of on my mind with Chris was, man, I hope he is ready to handle all the stuff I'm not going to be there to fix for him. Amen, anyone? Now, I've prepared them. I've done my best. I've taught them. Now, the training wheels are off. They're on their own. And I hope that they are independent enough to be able to take this and go with it. But at the same time, you really hope they don't forget everything you taught them. So it's like, okay, you're on your own, but don't forget where you came from. Okay, you're going forth, but don't forget the good and the right and the just and the holy. Do not forget who you are and what you have believed. And it's just this past year that I was feeling that, but I remember whenever I was going out on my own. Maybe some of y'all remember that time. For some of us, it's been further away than for others, but do you remember that excitement? You're on your own for the first time. It is you. You get to decide all of this stuff. And you're kind of strutting a little bit and then something comes up and you realize, hey, I get to decide all of this stuff. It's a little a little intimidating. Whether you're going off to college, <coughs> whether you're going out into the workforce, or going into military service, Maybe you even said words like these or heard them once upon a time. Yes, I know, I know this is a big step. I know it's big. I know it's a little scary. I know, but you know that I'm here. I've got your back. Remember what I taught you. Do your best. You're stronger than you know. You got this. I believe in you, kiddo. That also sounds like something God might say to us, doesn't it? And that's welcome because in two 
thousand years, God's plan has not changed. I mean, for two thousand years, God has chosen to act through His people as Christ's body led by the Holy Spirit whose coming we will celebrate next week. We often talk about, I want to know God's plan for my life. But really, when you think about it, what you're saying there is I want to know the details for my life because we know God's overarching plan is this. We know the broad brushstrokes is this. God's plan for healing a broken world. We are. We are the church. We are those that God has sent, called out, redeemed, Healed. And said, now heal others. Go forward into this world. Is that? <laughs> I don't think I've ever done this. You know when a preacher says, now look around you. Look at that person sitting next to you. Well, go on. I mean, Simon says. You see those people sitting next to you? That is God's plan for the healing of a broken world. Next time you take a selfie, I know some of you do, just look at that picture and go, my, 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 my. God's plan for fixing a broken world. Are you a little intimidated now? Yeah, it's intimidating to me because I look in the mirror all the time. I know what God's got to work with. I too say, Lord, how can I help heal a broken world? I'm broken as well. But see, here's the thing. God chose a healer to come to be wounded for us. Now we are the wounded and broken healers offering this healing and this grace. There is a reason that he says that he will work through us. Like we have some pictures of the church here. The reason is when you put together the work that Christ is doing through his people, you have the body of Christ. We are His hands. We are His arms in so much as we follow the leading of His Spirit. And you think, oh, I'm never going to be perfect at that. For 2,000 years, imperfect people with the presence of God's Spirit have been healing the broken places of this world. So here's the question. What... Or who in my life, in your life, needs healing today? 
Maybe you've been praying about a situation or praying about a person and, and you keep praying and praying and pleading, God, please just send the right person into this situation to bring healing. Maybe it's time to consider that God might have already sent the right person into this situation to bring healing. Oh, but Lord, what can I do? I I can't handle this. I'm not equipped for this. I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. And then can't you just hear the Father reply? I know. This is a big step. I know it's big. I know it's scary. But you know I'm right here. I've got your back. Remember what I taught you. Do your best. You're stronger than you know. You've got this. I am trusting you and believing in you, my child. Do you trust me? Dear Lord, let it be that the words of the prophet Isaiah are our words as well. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? Here am I, Dear Lord, send me. And let us pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the joy that You bring us in the midst of our not knowing the next step to take. We thank You for those times that You have taken the questions and the burdens off of our shoulders and given us the strength, the direction, the guidance, the wherewithal to take those steps of faith for which You made us. Lord, we thank You for every time, even the times we do not know where You have worked through us to bring healing. Lord, we thank You for Your instrument, the church, and for all of the body of Christ of which we are members. Lord, help us to be those that say, Here am I, Lord, and give us the grace to follow Your guidance. that souls may be saved and the world may be changed. In Christ's name, Amen.